In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Woo! Oh my 20, God! 2023, 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's so much better than 2022. It's so much better than 2021. It's so much better than 2020. What do you say? Woo! We haven't had a good year in three years. What? Haven't had a good year in three years. What? <laughs> um, no, I really do have to believe for my own self that 2023 will be super objectively better for me as an individual, but also for humanity as a collective. I think that would be great. I think it's possible. That would be great. I, I really want to believe that like across 2020, 2021, I really want to believe that was rock bottom. The depths. For humanity. <laughs> I really yeah. want to believe that. Um, and I need to believe that. And that I think it's now, fair. I think it's fair to believe that. And I think it's important to believe it. I also feel like it's tempting fate. <laughs> I know, but I, I know. I'll do a little knock on wood. Yeah, I've got some wood. Sure knock, knock. Yeah. That we're okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, woof. I mean, so I, th- I can't remember if we've spoken about this in the context of the podcast. I'm almost positive we've spoken about it in the context of our lives. But like, so for me, I remember when 2020 one was coming to a close I was like mm-hmm. 2021 was actually worse for me than 2020 um, same which which seemed like how could that be possible when 2020 was so bad and yeah. now as 2022 is coming to a close I would say probably yeah I think probably 2021 was still worse for me than 2022 has been. What about you? Oh, yeah. Mine's like assuredly gotten worse every year. 2020 was, you know, was tough, obviously, as a collective. I don't know if it was as tough for me personally as as it was for the collective. 2021, I feel like, definitely got worse. (laughs) 2022 actually man it managed to top it um and be the worst yet so 
Uh, fingers crossed on 2023, man. <laughs> That's pretty good because so I, for me, I would say the first half of 2022 was real bad. Probably worse Interesting. than 2021 for me. But then the okay. second half of 2022 has mostly been quite a significant improvement. Um, okay. And so that's why mine I'm went the mine sort of went the opposite. The first oh. half was like kind of okay, and then it took a nosedive south. That is unfortunate. So that, but that's why I'm <laughs> saying, for me, I'm still putting 2021 as the worst of yeah. the years, and then 2022 is like second, and then 2020 is third for me of the past yeah. three years. That's how I would place. Yeah. That. And who would have so, thunk it when we went through 2020 and everyone was like, oh, my God, worst year ever. Can you believe it? So I will I never know. again. And not not that I ever did say this, but I know it was like a very like common thing to be like such and such next year is going to be my year. I will never say that again. And I don't think no. I personally ever said that. But like I will never I will never utter those words because I know Um I know. It just, it just, it seems like you're just asking for everything to get fucked up. That's right. I mean, I did start 2020 like a real asshole, thinking things were going to be great. <laughs> and well, I mean, they were and at that point to have been. Um, yeah, and at that point, we really did, like, we really had no... Not to say that, like, life had never been hard before, but, like, we had no reason to believe that anything other than what we expected a normal year to be would happen, right? Like, we had – and now it's almost like the collective trauma that 2020 brought in terms of, like, not trusting what's coming next I think is very real because I don't think I ever – in the past, like, would have thought, like, I don't know, next year could be worse. I don't know. I don't think I ever really had that thought. But now it really is, like, could I might not know what the worst is yet. This could, it could all keep getting worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think 2020, 2021, um, and the start of 2022, for most people, what were, were just um exercises in like uh, whatever I thought was going to happen didn't happen and not only did it not happen it somehow like blew up in my face in such a spectacular (laughs) way that it is almost cinematic in its insanity you know um I certainly can say that for my life over those years um yeah so these are our thoughts and reflections for 2022, a year that will live in ignominy down to the ages. Um, we're saying goodbye to it today. Hello, everyone. Goodbye. Welcome to see you, ne- <laughs> see you next week in space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we are talking about in honor of the <laughs> year 2022 coming to a close and 2023 getting started. Well, we are talking about a a very topical movie, um, everybody's favorite. (laughs) It is New Year's Evil, and I will say that one more time, New Year's Evil. Um, Twirl your mustache. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, 
from 1980, which, you know, here's what I'll say just really quick at the top. I was born in 1985, very old, brag. I know. Brag, what a brag that is. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say is I was born in 1985, and um, I missed the 80s. Like, this movie, even as crazy <laughs> as it was, it, like, sort of made me miss the 80s, and I was barely even, like, I didn't barely even know what was going on in the 80s. I know. I, okay, I will also say I messaged you about this movie because... I loved this thing. I thought it was like oh my god, so everything that I mean, I would have, I would have liked there to be a little bit more actual like slasherness in the slasher yeah. movie. But True. I also kind of loved that it wasn't there too somehow. Yeah, like something about it not being there. It, this had a very like TV movie feel, yes. though it is not one apparently. Um, and I know exactly what you mean. It's like so of this particular moment, which is very funny. Um, so yeah, this- and I will say, like, for, for full transparency for anyone who might be confused about the sci-fi connection, there isn't one. <laughs> I mean, actually, I- there is oh, really? one, a, a very oh, slight okay, one, which I'll talk about when we talk about the movie. Okay, okay. But of the dis- disclaimer, I chose this one ish because we were looking for something that was New Year's Eve. I know you had mentioned something like Hallmarky. The Hallmark right. stuff in New Year's Eve was like they definitely didn't really have any sci-fi ones. The only thing like remotely close was like very princessy and I like that oh, seems right. that's a little less fun. Um so we just went with the more fun slasher version yeah. <laughs> uh which uh i think we were both happy about that outcome yeah um yeah so the imdb description of this film is that during a new year's eve celebration a los angeles disc jockey receives a phone call saying that when new year's strikes in each time zone someone will be murdered and she will be the last one um and I thought this was kind of interesting. So this was actually filmed in Los Angeles. Um, okay. And in fact, was filmed starting in October of 1980. And the movie was released in December of 1980. <gasps> um, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. 2022 movies could never. <laughs> I mean, I think at most this has to have been shooting for no more than like three weeks. Um, as we'll see. Which is also another reason why they maybe didn't show as much of the slashery stuff because that would have taken more more time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then as well, as you'll see, like this is primarily shot in one location, which is another reason why it can kind of come together (laughs) as quickly as it did. Yeah. Um, there is not, I was a a bit surprised because this seemed as though it would be the fodder for kind of like a cult following or like internet presence or whatever. But there really mm-hmm. isn't much to to be said on the internet about this movie actually. I have a, um, I have a question and we can maybe get to it later, but I'm going to really quickly ask cuz I didn't look up anything about this. Is there a sequel anywhere? I didn't run across anything that looked like a sequel. That's um, a travesty. Yeah, I mean this I do think that this movie could be remade to great effect 
like um totally like really really could see some kind of revamping and super, totally like pr- perform really well um a hundred percent so i'll also say that the the music featured in this movie the title track new year's evil um was <laughs> written for the film and then performed by an actual band from Seattle named Shadow. Um, oh. So Shadow and another group called Made in Japan are both featured in this movie. They were both actual bands at the time. Hmm. Um, but ironically, so as we'll soon learn, the kind of focus that this disc jockey has is on what she calls new wave and punk music um but neither of these groups actually are new wave or punk groups which is kind of interesting Uh oh um but it also kind of shows that like in 1980 being a punk was clearly like a thing on people's mind like people wanted to make that be a part of the story very obviously and yet they still (laughs) didn't really know what punk was what it was so they were like yeah uh, dress them up like this yeah knows, like whatever yeah um and in fact if there is a presence for this movie on the internet it is primarily about the soundtrack rather than the oh. movie itself um because shadow that band shadow does quite a lot of the like the kind of general uh soundtrack um hmm. and, and tracking or back yeah like backing tracks for this movie um, there's oh. also a fair few podcasts about this movie. So this has made kind of the rounds um, in terms of like... It seems like the type that might catch yeah. this type of attention. Because it does... Although I I guess what I would say, much as I genuinely enjoyed this movie, I think it's like kind of in a middle zone where it's like not bad enough to be... In the, like, super bad movie realm. And yeah. it's also not really good either. And so, <laughs> like, there are just Yeah, no, you're are, right. And so I think it hasn't quite gotten as much, like, attention as other things from this era. Um, sure. But I do, I mean, to me, probably the, the shtick I liked most about this was the weird punk thing. Like, okay. I didn't really get... Well, I didn't get why it was there, but I it was fun that it was there. Yeah, I I have some like definite questions about one character in particularly, or okay. in particular like where I literally said out loud as I was watching by myself, "What what the fuck is going on?" Like, <laughs> the, we'll get to it, and I'm sure you, maybe you know, but like, I really there was a couple parts where I was like, "What." What is this character doing? I do not understand oh. this person's journey. Yes, um, I think I know the character you're referring to. Um, yeah, but we'll 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 find our way there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of the cast, again, um, this is one of these movies where blissfully we really don't need to know a lot of people. Um, <laughs> the primary protagonist is a character named Diane Blaze Sullivan. She is the disc jockey mm-hmm. in question. Um, and mm-hmm. this is played by a 38-year-old Roz Kelly, who's probably most recognizable from her role as playing Pinky Tuscadero, Fonzie's girlfriend, on Happy Days. Oh. 
That's that seemed hmm. to be her biggest gig. Um, most of the, and this is why also this, I, I think I texted you about this. Like this just felt like a really long episode of murder. She wrote to me where you like, did say that <laughs> Angela Lansbury wasn't there. Um, that is a bummer. If what the fuck would you have done if, like, in the middle of this movie, <laughs> Angela just, just showed up and was in. like, if Jessica Fletcher just showed up, I would have been so excited if that were to happen. Um, that but it has been pretty funny. It has all of the elements that I expect from a murder she wrote episode, and and also mm. like the other reason I think I feel this way is because all of these actors in the cast are primarily TV have been actors. on Murder She Wrote. Well, mm. one of them has been on Murder, She Wrote, but, like, aside from that, as we'll see, like, pretty much the, or the vast majority of the the credits that these um, people have are as TV actors, like, one-offs and things. Okay. So, so, like, Roz Kelly, she's Pinky Toscadero, she's on an episode of Starsky and Hutch, she's on an episode of Kojak, she's on an episode of Love Boat, you know, like, mm-hmm. so she's just circling around those shows yeah. at the end of the 70s an early 80s. Um, her last credit is in 1983, however. Um, hmm. Probably the most successful person out of this group is um, the character Richard Sullivan, played by a 35-year-old Kip Niven. Um, and as you'll see in my notes here, if you look him up on IMDb now, uh, mm-hmm. his photo is like, he's such a nice little grandpa-looking man. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and he, again, he had probably the best career of anyone. Um, particularly, uh, he did a lot. Oh my of God, TV he's movies. so cute. I know. <laughs> he's I so told cute. You. Sorry, as, as a as a grandpa, but yeah, I I don't mean cute as like ooh cute, but like he no. does look like a a very. No, he looks like a. He actually sort of, he looks like a grandpa man, but he also kind of looks like a really nice professor, too. Yeah. yeah In this particular fair. picture, he's wearing a yeah. very professorly outfit. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's funny, too, because, like, I almost can't see, like, because in this show, he's yeah. got, like, you know, the real, like, Bruce Jenner, long, floppy hair, yeah. like, 1970s leisure suit vibe going. And I'm like, how does that guy turn into this grandpa guy? But I guess that's just the horrors of aging or whatever. It's like time will turn you into a grandpa. Um, there's kind of like, I'm looking at like Google images and there's kind of two where that shows him in something, I don't know what from, and then more now where I can, it's sort of the same angle of a photo. So I can okay. kind of see it. I can kind of see it with like the mouth and mm. like, and the eyes and stuff. But yeah, age is a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> So in the lead up to this movie, he did a lot of TV movies throughout the 1970s. So I think he would have been fairly recognizable um, at this Mm -hmm. point. He goes on to do quite a lot of stuff. Um, Like he was a series regular in a show called Alice, um, which apparently was on for like nine years from 1975 to like 1984 or something. And... I've never heard of that show. I have no frame of reference for what it was, but it was clearly popular enough. Um, he was also, he did some appearances on Kate and Allie, which is a show I sort of remember from that era as well. Um, yeah, that sounds familiar. And then he he was one of uh, those actors who just kind of kept 
being around. So his last credit is in 2019, which is the same year that he passed away. So he was just a um, ongoing working TV actor for the entirety of his life, basically. Um, hmm, good for him. Next, yeah. Next we have Lieutenant Clayton, played by Chris Wallace. Um, I couldn't really find much of information about him at all to speak of. Mm-hmm. Um, but he as well was cycling through quite a lot of these same kind of TV shows that these others have been uh, around the late 70s and early 80s. Um, mm-hmm. And finally, we have the character who might be the one you were most befuddled by because there was a lot of stuff yes. going on here. Um, so yes. Richard and Diane's son, Derek Sullivan, was played by a 19-year-old Grant Kramer, who you should recognize, and I technically should too, because he was Mike Tobacco in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which we've spoken about. Uh, yeah, and I've watched that movie more times than just for the podcast, and I fully did not. <laughs> like, Fair I enough. No, rec- no recognition of him. Um, so this was, in fact, his very first credit was in this Whoa, movie. interesting. Yeah, and um, again, he was someone who, in addition to Killer Clowns from Outer Space, was in a series of different like TV shows of the era, like The Facts of Life. He was in Murder, She Wrote. Um, <laughs> he, was in a, he was a series regular for a while on The Young and the Restless. Um, mm. And he was also in something called Leapin' Leprechauns, which God knows what that would be about. Um, and then I think Probably we did about talk Leap about Leprechauns. This. Presumably, yes. Um, and I think we did talk about this actually in the context of Killer Clowns. There is some sort of rumor that there will be a return of Killer Clowns movie at some future Ooh. date. And he is okay. associated with that project. Wow. Um, well, this was in 1980 and he was 20. So, whoa, he'd he was, be like, oh, he's going to play like the sheriff this time or something. I guess. It's hard to say I what don't he know. might do. Um, yeah. So these are the only characters that really matter uh, to this movie, which is, again, I think kind of why it's got more of a TV movie quality. Like, there just aren't that many people. Um, yeah. And we start out, uh, well, I mean, we really super start out. We get, like, the opening um, music, New Year's Evil, the song New Year's Evil. And I actually <laughs> quite liked this song, so we maybe could drop a little riff of it sure here um just so people can get skyline that then takes us up to some sort of hotel where in a dressing room blaze is getting made up for her big show and in my handwritten notes the very first thing i've written about her is Uh, i hope you say what i'm thinking such blush (sighs) the blush and the eyebrows the combo of the blush and the eyebrows i was like 
whoa, we are going hard and we're going hard right from the jump. (laughs) I know. Well, and I, is, do you want to try and explain like what was the deal with the blush? Like why we both noticed it so immediately? Well, what it looked like to me, well, first of all, it was very, very pink and like dark pink. Yeah, it was extremely dark in comparison to what seemed like she was wearing pancake, like, Kabuki yeah, white makeup on the rest yeah. of her face. Yeah, and it was like it was okay. So <laughs> I'm no makeup artist and whatever, but like normally when I think of blush, it's like you do you do a little on the apples right. of your cheeks, and then maybe right. like up the sides for like a little bit of cheekbone uh, definition. What she looked like she was doing was almost like the beginning of like a serious contour situation, but she did not blend it. That's kind right. of like with a vibe it was giving me. But it was like very, it wasn't even like a line. It was like very wide. It was odd. It was really, really strikingly like intense in its color, um, in its contrast yeah. to, like I said, her face was made up to look very pale. And then she had this, like, aggressive, almost triangle across her cheeks, um, which I'm just now, like, Googling to see if this even... And her eyebrows were also pink. Yes, that's right. And I will say that, like, that kind of was how the look worked in the 80s. But, again, because this is always the way they're, like, taking something that they've seen... On a city street, like, because punks were a thing by this time, yeah. you know, like, so they've taken something they've seen on a city street, but it's not somebody who is actually a punk being like, yes, let us, <laughs> like, put the makeup on mm-hmm. you and you'll know what's what. It was, like, their take mm-hmm. on it. So it's, like, super aggressive. Although I am yeah. seeing it does seem to be that was a bit of a style. That was a look. Um, so she's got yeah, that I was going a- on. I mean, the 80s... I said at the beginning, like, I miss the 80s or, like, I'd like to... But they were also weird in terms, yes. of, in terms in terms of fashion and definitely, like, makeup was very strange and, like, the natural look was not necessarily in. No, and I will say, like, at first I didn't get it because once it was like, oh, she's this punk DJ, I was like, oh, okay, so that's, like, makeup for the show. Fine. Yeah. Um... But because, like, also in this opening scene, she's got this, like, aggressive blush look happening while simultaneously she's wearing a more, what I would say, like, typical 80s mom outfit that's, like, beige with shoulder pads. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. what is happening here? Like, I just don't but, and, get it. And I don't know, like, I'm curious what you thought, like... I'm not sure if I got, like, as the movie went on, I got more used to her look or if it actually did literally soften as the movie went on, maybe even as if it were one shot and it got, it didn't. Okay, maybe I just got more used to it it because I know, uh, because I know in that first shot of her, I was like, whoa. And by the end, I feel like I was like, yeah, she looks normal. (laughs) Yeah, I think I, I think we just accepted that that was how she was going to look. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess so. So, meanwhile, so she's getting ready for the show in the dressing room. Meanwhile, in a different hotel room, someone named Yvonne, um, and it was unclear to me, like, entirely what Yvonne's role is, but she's some sort of, like, let's say, career manager or something for Blaze. And Yvonne gets a phone call from her, 
and we find out that Yvonne, or sorry, Blaze's husband, Richard, will not be at tonight's broadcast. Um, that Yvonne is in her room getting ready for the show, and she'll be there soon. Um, now, do you want to try your hand at describing Yvonne's look? Like, we're just getting a lot of looks Whoa. at the at the start of this movie. Yeah, I can't remember, like, her makeup look or even quite what she was wearing, but her hair was braids, wasn't it? It yes. was braids, yes. but, like, the kind with, like, I'm not sure if it was beads in the bottom or mm-hmm. if it was, like, uh, the... It was um, those, uh, no, what is it? It's not thread, but it's like um, no, fabric almost. Yeah, I guess. Is that what it is? Um, yeah, I mean, she's, this is a like basically the only black person in the film is Yvonne. Yes. And she's got like cornrow braids that have really heavy beading. Starting, heavy beading at the bottom. normally... Normally, like, when you do that look, you still don't, you don't put every, like, you don't put beads right up to almost, like, where the... Halfway up? Yeah, like, because hers looked like the braids were, or the beads were starting, like, as the braid was, like, coming off of her head, right? Like, so, because, you know, like, how cornrows first are directly, like, on your scalp, and then eventually they, like, come down and make, like, kind of their own strands of hair or whatever. Yeah. And so she seemed like she had beads, like as soon as the hair was free from her scalp, there was beads up and down every single braid. And I was like It was a lot. It was it was that a hairstyle that I- such some like and I remember that was also again like at that time it was a more look more fashionable than it is. It now. didn't it didn't it didn't look bad. What I would say was it looked laborious. That looked like a hairstyle oh, sure. that would take oh, eight hours sure. to do. Yes. And it like, and I did kind of enjoy because like every time she, this actor moved her head, like, you know, because she's mostly <laughs> acting by herself on the phone. So every time she's moving her yeah. head, you can hear the beads like clacking <laughs> against each other. Um, mm-hmm. But so anyway, she hangs up the phone and she's like, I'll be there soon. And as she's getting ready in the bathroom, she keeps hearing the shower drip. And there's like a couple opportunities where we see like where the shot is an like an object shot where we're watching the shower drain drip. And then we see her hand come in from like the side and she shut like kind of tightens the faucet and then or tightens the handle and then her hand goes away. And she does that, I think, like two or three times before, of course, finally, what really happens at the end of this little scene. Yeah, but the, the thing about that that's funny to me is, like, I understand doing that, like, if you're not about to get in the shower. But if you're about to get in the shower, do I need to waste my time making sure it doesn't drip? I'll just turn it on. I'm about to get in. Why do I care if it's dripping? I wasn't sure if she was about to take a shower or if she was, like, getting ready to actively leave the room. But either way, in the end, what happens to her? Well, Well, she's in there, and then, like, she hears, she hears her door open, doesn't she? Oh, that's and right. She hears, and then she, yeah. she hears her hotel room door open. And this is the funny thing that happens in movies a lot where, like, they open the front door, look out for, like, 100 years, and she kind of did that, and then goes back in 
And you know, as an audience member, knowing what you're watching, that the person has gotten in while they're looking or whatever. But um, the, I don't, I don't hotel, quite know how, how in this have happened. I don't know. I don't know quite how this was managed. Um, I just assumed <laughs> that actually this guy was in there, that he had been in there like the whole Maybe, time. Maybe, but then, and then. Maybe, and then the door opening is just, like, a misdirect, but yeah. also, I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but when we find out who he is later on in the movie, maybe he had some sort of access to this room. Yeah. Yeah, he could have come I in don't know. quite a lot earlier in the day. Yeah. But yeah, maybe. what ends up, but you're right, so she goes out to the door, she shuts the door, she puts the chain lock on, and then she goes back into the bathroom, only to be grabbed by a man coming out of the shower um if we, we weren't already see. scared enough of showers like we <laughs> like we are like the shower will never be a safe place anymore if you watch clearly horror not. movies clearly not um so this is the and this also is part of the reason this had a bit more of a tv feel to me because there's this a, this is a cold open like yeah we, she gets pulled into the shower then we cut to like this car full of punks <laughs> driving around town, listening to, again, the title track of the film, New Year's Evil. Um, <laughs> and at first, I I really thought that this, because we're watching this car full of punks for, like, a lot of minutes as the credits roll. And yeah. so I assumed that one or many of them were going any to be of a them might be that we would follow <laughs> yeah. later on. But it turns out yeah. instead of that, Instead of that, we're like, we're following around this group and they're doing all kinds of things again that are like associated with punks. Like, I think they're like actively drinking and driving, going down Sunset Strip. Yeah. Um, they're in a convertible and people are sitting up on the back rather than, you know, using seatbelts, all this shit. We're all, all what we're expecting to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we follow them. They drive up to this hotel and they drive up like the little hotel driveway thing and they're like we're here to see the show man and like the security <laughs> guard is like you better have your tickets if you don't have your tickets you're not coming in here he clearly like doesn't like these people um and that's it like these punks never return um like these actors such as they are aren't even like featured in the dance floor moments that we see later like nope there's just nothing. no you're and right I, and i really thought at least one of these people well i wouldn't call it the dance floor i'm gonna be real honest like well and there we'll was there, a lot of like there was a lot of weird movement it, happening it looked it looked um, like a more of a pushing floor but yeah yes yes so th these people like I, I was like oh these people are gonna be like, the, maybe the teens who get killed, you know, like, I was like, maybe they're the yeah. ones. Um, but that is not what happens. And this group of characters, um, we never return to again, which is a bit of an unusual turn of events. Um, we then come back into Blaze's dressing room where Blaze's son, Derek, um, has shown up. Now, I'll just point out that in life, the character or the person playing Blaze is 38 and the person playing her son is 19. Um, and while oh, that is medically oh, possible, okay. 
that is medically mm-hmm. possible that you can be 38 and have a 19-year-old son. Um, there was something about it that was quite weird. Um, yeah. I like, didn't, that, that didn't even seemed, cross my mind. I didn't even clock that well, at all. Well, particularly, like, I, the reason I'm pointing this out is, like, later when we've got, like, the killer reveal and there's various stuff going on, this age thing just seems even more implausible in the context of what's being said mm. about like complaints that the killer has. But okay, we'll I might, I'm, I, I, yeah, well, let's revisit that because I feel like I, there was points at the end where like we were coming to some of the climax stuff and I, um, stopped paying a little bit of attention. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I so, like, I got the gist, but yeah. So in this case, um, her son shows up and he's really excited because he's just gotten a part in what he describes as a spaceship TV show. So that's the sci-fi connection is he was going to be on a sci-fi TV show uh, (laughs) at some point. And he's clearly quite proud of himself for having done this. But she's like, so she's like, you know, meant to be this terrible mother who's too consumed with her own career to really Mm. pay attention to her sad sack son um (laughs) and so she's like that's great sweetie but she's obviously not paying attention and she needs to get dressed in that weird shiny dress or like top and skirt Uh, ensemble she was in for most of the movie um yeah which I will say at one point I was looking at it and it's so, I don't even know how to describe this material because it doesn't even really look like fabric, but. Yeah. Um, it's like it was, 80s material. That's like how yeah. I would describe it is like yeah. this 80s. It like, was a thing it's, you could source in the 80s was this like shiny, plasticky looking stuff that you could make clothing out but of. But it was kind of. Yeah, but it was kind of like it was shiny but matte at the same time because it wasn't like um, it, it wasn't like sparkly per se, but it was no, it that, wasn't like yeah. glitter and it wasn't no. sequins, but it was like shiny no. plastic. Um, <laughs> and this particular and it was really interesting because I was looking at it and it's like a it's like a camisole top with like a mini skirt combo. And yeah. the color was like this kind of coral, orangey pink color. And the longer yeah. I looked at it, the more I was like, I swear to God, I had a you Barbie had dress. No, I'm my sure. Barbie had a dress made out of what appeared to be virtually the same fabric as that. A million percent. Oh, a million percent. And probably the same exact outfit. Like, yeah, she looked like that's a good that's a good description. She looked like she was dressed like a Barbie. Yeah. So and the makeup, too, did was all part of it. Yes. Um, Yes. So she's like getting into this outfit. She can't be bothered with her son. Her son gets upset. Um, (laughs) I'm still at this point. We're like maybe five to six minutes in in the movie. And I'm still like, what? is her job and like what is happening what is she yeah i'm not sure i got it the whole time yeah well because then we finally are introduced to the premise which is we go so she was in this dressing room and then she goes down to like a club performance space that's also in the same hotel and 
She, we learn that her name, her professional name is Blaze, and that she's the host for something called the Hollywood Hotline, which is a film where it's like a music call-in show. And mm-hmm. this is specifically their New Year's Eve celebration that they are also calling New Year's Evil because they're evil punk people. So is she like... Is she like Dick Clark? <laughs> yes, she's like the Dick Clark of the L.A. punk scene. Or I guess, because it's being broad, yes, it's being broadcast all over the U.S., so maybe she's the Dick Clark of just like the punk scene in the U.S. Mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she says that what they're going to be doing that evening is a countdown of all like the different, like if you call in and say, I want to hear Cheap Trick or whatever, um, then they'll pl- do a countdown of everyone who's called in over the course of uh, the evening. And specifically, she mentions that they'll be broadcasting um, to the entirety of the U.S., and so they're going to be celebrating New Year's Eve in all four time zones. And they have, like, satellite groups of Hollywood Hotline that are going to, like, you know, be put onto the feed every time it hits mm-hmm. midnight at a different part of the country Mm -hmm. and as people start calling in to make their requests for songs that they want to hear i assume that probably this show is kicking off at like seven or something like 7 p.m la time um yeah 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 yeah. because we're not because it would have to like start at eight or no hold on if it started at eight it would start counting down New Year's is at nine. Eleven. Like, right, yeah. right, right. So anyway, people are calling in. They're asking for their songs. And who should call in? But a person who, again, <laughs> this is a very, to me, this is a very TV mode. Because we actually see the person calling in. We see, like, the bottom half of their mouth and they're calling yeah. on the payphone. And the bot. Why, why, Amy, why does the movie show us this person's mouth as they're talking on the phone? Um, first of all, I did not like that they did that, but <laughs> they were doing it because they were showing, I believe the reason is they were showing us that this person was using like a voice altering device. Yes. yes. Which. I hadn't, because I remember sort of that the I like the voice all uh, alteration voice modifier did exist prior to you know like the digital age, but I hadn't remembered or ever realized perhaps that it was this weird ass thing that you had to put in your mouth to make yeah distortions of your voice. Um, yeah, that was weird. So we're seeing someone talking around this rather strange, like, I don't know. It just looked like a bit of metal or something. I wasn't really sure. It looked like he was, he looked like he was sticking a microphone into his mouth, but it was clearly altering his voice. And what does he tell Blaze on the phone? Um, well, he says that his name is, did you say this? He said his name is evil, like with the crazy voice. (laughs) And then he's like, I'm going to kill someone every time it strikes midnight in a new time zone and whatever. And yeah. uh, she seems, I don't know. I, it's very, it's, 
Another funny thing in this movie or in many movies that we watch is people's reactions are, to things are strange. Like, Correct. And although I will say if I was a VJ, DJ, whatever she is, I – like, is this being broadcast on TV? Did we – Yes, it's a live – It is. Yes, it's a okay. live – Okay, so yeah, she's so like a VJ like, too. Yeah, like it's Dick Clark, you know, where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, okay, coverage okay. starts at whatever. And, I mean – and so I just wasn't sure if it was only being broadcast on a radio, but she, so he says this shit to her and I, I will say throughout, I was confused about like when they were on air versus off air a little bit. Like it seemed like there was never mm. like, I mean, they, I it was, I guess it was clear. There was but, always something being broadcast. Oh, then they said a lot of shit. They probably shouldn't have said on air, <laughs> but because like. I mean, but then I have questions because, like, they had the house band that was playing. Yeah. So then what is the point of the countdown? Like, and when is, and if the countdown of songs is happening, is the house band going to play the songs? Or are we going to, like, watch music videos of the Yeah, that's songs? a good point. Like, I'm not sure about that either. Yeah, and then, so he says this thing about murdering a bunch of people, and she... It's not that she doesn't get upset right away because she kind of does. Like, she seems like that she throws her shaken. a bit. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't too much. But I'll, like, and I guess that's kind of normal because I feel like if if that was my job or whatever, like, maybe there is a number of prank phone calls that come in. Sure. And, you know, you can't really take every single thing seriously. However, that would throw me if someone said that yes. like yeah no I think that is what we're supposed to get out of this which is like at this point it's like that's just some kook you're gonna get that yeah. and don't yeah. worry about it you know so that yeah. seems to be the vibe meanwhile we do an object fade so we kind of like go through the phone to arrive at the phone booth on the other side um where we like, and I thought this was interesting, too. It's also, again, like, we don't get this choice often when it comes to, like, um, mystery movies or killer movies. This movie chooses to show us the killer early on. Um, yep. And so we fought, we go into the phone booth. We get a reveal of evil as a whole man. Um, and <laughs> I think we're meant to, when we get this reveal, we're meant to be surprised because he looks not only normal, um, but what at the time would have been perceived as strikingly attractive. Handsome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and these are typically, we don't imagine that serial killers are people who are really, really good looking. Um, because we But here's that a PSA. Really, really a lot of them are. Well, I don't know if that really is true. I think sometimes okay. there's like people build up people like Ted Bundy as being oh, this, yes. like, paragon of masculinity. Yes, yes, and I'm yes. Like, he's just, like, okay, the least creepy-looking one of the bunch. Yes, like, yes, yes. Yes. Well, and I think it's more so, it's not, like, handsome isn't the right word, or, like, striking or, you know, anything like that. It's just kind of normal. I guess, quote-unquote, normal, whatever that means. You don't, they sure. don't look like 
someone with like necessarily long scraggly hair who's like <laughs> limping towards you being like they don't look like a zombie yeah. i guess like yeah. you know they don't look like a um, human quasimodo that like right, is gonna right right they just look like a normal person who happens to be like a psychopath yeah and so we're we're meant i think to be surprised at how traditionally good looking this guy is yeah. um and he goes into what we see a sign for is the Crawford Sanitarium or Sanatorium. I don't know. Um, and he sneaks into the building. Um, and now this is something that I thought was a bit strange because I could have sworn that in that first phone call to Blaze, I thought that evil tells her, I'm going to kill people close to you, like people that you know. He did say that. He did but say then that. He's he, killing people who seem He does totally not do random. that. Yes, that's true. Like, unless it's going to be revealed <laughs> later. Like, really maybe after what the he meant. Over, but. Yeah, I, uh, what I sort of took it to mean, though it's not really what was said and not quite what was done, but was like, as the night went on, the, mur- the murders would get closer to you. Sort of. Oh, like physically like, closer. If physically closer and maybe killing people closer to you in, like, also. But it didn't okay. really quite happen that way because... No. You know, I, that, because like, that what's-her-lady got killed first, and that right. was supposedly a friend of hers or whatever she was. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, so evil goes into this sanatorium... And he runs into a blonde nurse, um, and they uh, have some weird flirting going on, like very weird flirting. I can't understate understate that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And then um, almost immediately, like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm new to the hospital today. That's why you've never seen me before. She's like, yeah, that sounds totally normal. Um, and then, <laughs> I'm new today on New Year's Eve at like 10 p.m. Yes, I'm arriving here like as New Year's Eve is kicking <laughs> off. Um, and by the way, no big deal. I also have a bottle of champagne in my work bag. Um, so it's my, it's like, is he my dressed first, like a doctor? Yeah, he's got like scrubs on or some such. Okay. And, okay. um, and it's literally like, I've just started this new job. How about we drink on the job together, you and me? Like, I'm like, that seems like a really wild pitch to start with. And even more And wild, it works. She, yeah. And she's like, yeah, that sounds totally great. That's exactly <laughs> what I want to do. And so, so that, so we leave them there for a, a moment. We return back to uh, the club where the t- show was being taped. And while apparently no one was acting the way we would expect, they still did call the police about this weird call. Yep. And this is when we get one of my favorite police responses to anything, which is Lieutenant Clayton is basically like, you guys are all punks, which means you guys are the problem because your subculture is fucked up. And so (laughs) why, like... He basically is like, shouldn't you expect someone to call up and say they're going to chop women into little bits? Because, like, that's what you guys are into. That's what I know is you guys are into that. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, man. Like, just punk culture is, like, aggressive. 
but it's not like let's kill like rip people up and like well i mean for no fucking reason like yeah well i think (laughs) i could say a lot of things but they probably all wouldn't be very nice um about law enforcement so i'll keep it to myself but it does why also if that's the way you feel why did you come do you like if you don't think there's a problem why are you here the thing he's accusing of, like, that it's you people who bring these kinds of problems on yourselves, I'm like, that would be more accurate if you were talking to people who were metal people, you know? Like, people who are actually talking about, like, I eat bat's blood and I do this and I do that. <laughs> Punks don't really go in for that same thing. But I guess that's the whole yeah. point. Is like, this guy can't tell the difference The cops anyway. don't know that, yeah. Um, cops are losers. And, and while I'll tread lightly on the law enforcement thing, I will say, and I think we have said <laughs> in this podcast, my impression, both from TV and movies and life, is that the number one priority for any police officer from top to bottom is to do as little work as possible. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's like, they've got, they've got donuts to eat and coffee to drink. Like, they don't have time for your little murder scenario right. and like so it's not their fault so typically <clears throat> when someone goes missing or whatever uh, what's the answer they ran away that's it oh of course Case and you have to like, wait like a certain amount of time before you can oh yeah. forget it like yeah so that's the vibe that we're getting here but nonetheless yeah. the police hang around meantime blaze's son derek keeps getting weirder and weirder for reasons what unknown. the fuck is happening he hasn't this is where yet, i really he hasn't confused. yet gone full weird yet that's coming yeah um but he, I, he seems to just to have been given as a direction like hey young kid you're new to acting your whole job is to stand in a corner looking unpleasant that's your thing well he just he had a bunch of scenes like and I can't remember the like the first one versus like when it got like super weird, but like just a lot of alone scenes where I felt yes. like I was like, "What are we getting from this?" Like yes. that he's disturbed. And we're about to go like, into it, one. Yeah, because like yeah. So the police are milling around. It's this is when we first get the little like kind of um, crumb where like Blaze is like Yvonne is missing, so Brave Lady is missing. Um, right. She's not shown up. Uh, again, Derek tries to speak to Blaze about something. It's unclear what. She's too busy. She's too busy talking to the police. So he, like, turns and leaves in a huff. And then this is when Mm -hmm. we get some of this really great solo acting on his part (laughs) where he goes back to the dressing room and he, like, takes some red pills. Um, But it's unclear what those pills are about, and, and this is never yeah. revisited, so we I don't know what this is. Um, I don't That's know if we're meant weird. to assume it's some kind of a suicide attempt or what, Maybe. but he doesn't die, so that, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is, it, I guess it isn't that. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, we cut back to the Crawford Sanatorium where evil has now started making out with this nurse. <laughs> um, now, again... This is where this movie is a bit interesting and and why it also feels like a TV movie and not a cinematic release. 
is because I was sure we were going to see this woman's boobs. I was 100% sure that we were going to yeah. see them. And we did not. Um, we saw some boobs in this movie, but it was less than we most. But, yeah. it was le- but it was, now that you mention it, it was less, like, significantly less than in most 1980s horror movies. Right. So, but, so they're making out, making out. Um, Evil has this, like, t- tape deck, like, ra- portable radio thing with him. And that's what they've been dancing to. And then, like, as the countdown to midnight in New York City is happening, which he's hearing on the broadcast, um, he's also, I don't know how he's doing this. He's, like, playing the broadcast on the one hand, but he's also recording himself getting the sound of himself killing this woman. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works on one of those old things like that. I mean, I'm sure there's ways to do that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But that is what's happening. We see him, like, kind of, he's, like, making out with this woman on, I mean, he's really kind of doing quite a lot because he's making out with this woman on one (laughs) hand, and he's got, like, so his, one of his hands is, like, underneath her or something, like, keeping her kissing. His other hand is, like, literally, like, doing this recording, grabbing his switchblade, Getting all ready to like stab this lady. I'm like, that's a lot okay. to like, be doing. Well, so like two thoughts. Like, number one, anyone who says men can't multitask, like, take a look at this movie. This guy could Obviously. do he basically He was I mean, <laughs> and not only did he multitask, he really planned ahead for every event. Holy hell. Now, what I don't get <laughs> I, Ugh. Like, this movie and pretty much, I guess, a lot of horror movies, specifically of this era, very misogynistic. Like, the women sure. are are meant to look dumb most of the time. Um, but she, this girl really is dumb because I, yes. I have never, shockingly, I don't know if anyone will believe this, but I have never been a nurse in a hospital and, like, laying on a bed making out with someone who is, like, supposedly another doctor. But I feel as though <laughs> I would notice if, uh, I don't if know, I ex- guess when you're making... If one I, of their hands I, was, like, just behind you, like, you're kissing, and then one of their other hands was just, like, kind of wa- wildly waving around, like, trying to do something. <laughs> yeah! I feel like I would notice, like, that they, and I feel like I would also at some point, like, I get it that, like, when you are making out, like, perhaps the idea is your eyes are closed, but, like, I feel like I would but notice, I like, he would lifts that like, knife up, he lifts that knife up, like, like, from his where, back behind him where? really slowly, and all the way and brings it be, up and brings and it down. in the context of making out, I would also be like, where is this person's other arm and hand? Like, where is it? Yes, like, I think so. On? And then, like, and therefore, and therefore, if I was unsure of where every, <laughs> this sounds gross, but like, if I was unsure of where a body part was, I think I might open my eyes to assess the situation. Yeah. So then I would see him slowly raise that knife, like in a circular motion, like all the way to the back. I think he does like all the way back and like up and yeah. over. And yes. like that takes a, that, I don't know. I feel like I would notice it before it plunged into my I chest. I would like to think I would anyway. Um, I'm not saying I could stop it at that point, but but, you might but I feel like I would notice it. Of realization before you die. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he stabs her to death. He also records it. Then he immediately calls <laughs> up 
he calls up Blaze again, and he mm-hmm. plays the recording of the nurse dying to her. And because this is an this I I don't really know what they like. They don't make any effort to really meaningfully address like why evil is killing people or like what his psychological profile is. Although there's some kind of discussion of that, but like. He seems very eager to get caught because he immediately also says where the body is. Um, yeah, because yeah, because without the body, still like if you're wanting to play this game of like scaring people or whatever it is that the game is, I the just the the tape of or the sound of her dying might be more impactful because it's also not confirmed that this is real right so they right. might still question and now we have more time to kill the rest you start showing them bodies they might catch you in the next hour right they yeah, don't but the whole they might thing. yeah and so he tells her where the body is and i think this is mainly just setting up our final shot at the sanatorium where like a different nurse finds her in the closet mm-hmm. stabbed up or i mean it maybe looked like her throat was cut i couldn't totally remember yeah um Meanwhile, back in the dressing room, Derek is hanging out by himself. And as is often the case in an 80s movie of a troubled person, he's got his own switchblade knife that he's (laughs) playing with. And this is where things go real weird for Mr. This was the scene this this was the scene where I said, What the fuck is happening? (laughs) I couldn't believe I was like, I'm not sure I'm getting it. And I don't know that there was anything. I wasn't, but I was very confused because so he takes out his switchblade and I can't remember if he's using the switchblade he has like this like red fabric also and he seems to be like using the switchblade to like cut the fabric in some kind of way as he's doing it he's talking to himself in the mirror and then he puts the fabric that he's just cut with the knife he puts it over his head and when he puts it over his head you're like, oh, that's a pair of, like, red tights or, like, pantyhose yeah. or something. Yeah. Because it's, like, smushing his face to... Yeah. And, like, you know, as peop- that's why people wear those when they do, like, weird crimes to, like, distort what their face looks like. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he's got that on. He's talking to himself in a weird way. He also, like, seems to pierce his own ear with the switchblade. There's, like, some sort of blood, like, that is <sighs> happening on him well, as well. Well, and, and like, to me, I was like, okay, it was literally what the hell is happening. But also, it would be one thing if they didn't show us what the murderer, the evil guy looked like at this point. It might be, like, a, a good misdirect. Like, right. oh. But we already know we're seeing, it can't be him. But we like. S- Right, so that's why I was like, "What? What are we doing?" <laughs> maybe this what is, is this? setting up. Maybe this is setting up the final, final reveal of this movie. Yeah, I don't really know. I think it must be, but it just really takes a long time. I don't think it's necessary for that payout. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, you're right because we in a different. If you had done this a different way, this would be a misdirect. Like if women were being yeah. killed at the party, you'd think. Yeah. Derek is the killer. But you are seeing that there's some other guy who's killing people, not at the party. So you're like, I don't know what's going on with this Derek guy. 
In the meantime, yeah. after he does this whole weird um, kind of self-reflective self-harm, um, he calls his dad on the phone because his dad, I think they say he's meant, meant to be in Palm Springs somewhere because it's also kind of mm-hmm. floated early on that like Blaze and Richard, their marriage is like on the rocks in some way. Oh, okay. And so that's why he's not there that night. Um, but when okay. Derek tries to call him, he just gets a busy signal, which again, I'm like, is that meant to be a clue? I'm not sure. Um, meanwhile, down in the club, um, Lieutenant Clayton, because now this recording of a nurse has happened, he gets a call from, they send people to Crawford Sanitarium. They confirm that a nurse's body was found. Um, and so he tells Blaze, like, we believe you now. This is clearly something that's like a bad thing is happening. This makes Blaze even more concerned about the fact that her friend Yvonne continues to be missing um mm-hmm. and then the police have decided that they now take these threats that evil has made seriously which means that there are going to be three more murders because new york city has hit midnight but then it's going to be chicago colorado and la hitting midnight. Mm-hmm. and so three more people are going to be killed in the next three hours um and so the police ask blaze like the next time you hear from this guy because he seems to be obsessed with you like, keep him talking so we can have a chance of trying to figure out, like, where he is or what's going on. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, Evil has transformed from his, like, doctor persona into, like, a disco nightlife persona. And this seems to mostly be about him putting on a fake mustache. Um, <laughs> which was quite the, quite the thing, I would say that. It looked like quite the mustache. And he goes into this disco club, and um, there are two women sitting kind of at the bar. He approaches them. Uh, One of them leaves, and the other one stays. And he says he's that he's a business manager for Eric Estrada. And I was just wondering (laughs) if you knew who Eric Estrada was. I I know that name, and I know the name of the show Chips. I... I don't know much, like, much deeper than that. Um, I I know it just from that. Yeah. So, I mean, at the time, uh, saying that he was a business manager for Eric Estrada, like, Eric Estrada, I think, was probably at his career peak at this time. Okay. Um, So that was, like, because of chips. A big Um, brag. Yeah. So this was, like, a very big deal. And he's, like, saying, like, you know, um, I'm, I've been invited to his New Year's Eve party. I don't know if you want to come. That would be great. Um, and so, so, the, he, so the, the one woman leaves, and he's talking to this other blonde lady. And, um, and he's like, okay, great. We're going to go to this party. And she's like, yeah, okay, great. And he's like, okay, meet me by the car. When she comes out to meet him at the car... Evil is a bit miffed to discover that she's also invited her roommate, Lisa, to join them. Um, And at first, Evil seems quite irritated by this turn of events because, of course, it's going to make his killing of this woman more difficult. Um, But then it seems like he kind of realizes, like, well, now I can kill two ladies. So that's 
fine. <laughs> um, so they yeah. get, go off in his car. Uh, in the meantime, back uh, in the dressing room, Lut- this was, I didn't understand this at all. Lieutenant Clayton is like, yeah, we know he's using um, like a voice moderator but or modifier, but like, can you recognize anything about the voice? And I was like, isn't that the very point of using a thing like this? A moderator. Like, what? Would, yeah. What could she possibly recognize? Like, um, they also discussed whether or not they ought to cancel the show at this point. Um, but Blaze decides that she wants to keep going anyway. Um, meanwhile, back in the car, so like, Evil is now driving around these two women. Um, and I feel like many of us have maybe had this experience before where like you are interested in one person and then their weird friend is around or along or something. (laughs) And you're like, Mm. when is this person going to go away? Like, yeah. How long do I have to endure this person's presence? Uh, and what I thought was like, especially kind of like apropos of that circumstance is like, so they're sitting in the car, they're sitting in the front seat, like three to the front seat, which I don't think you can do in cars anymore. Um, they don't like the way the seat belts work are not like that. But, um, yeah. so the one that evil had been flirting with is sitting in the middle. And then the roommate is the roommate. Lisa is sitting on the far side and I did find it funny because, like, this room, this one lady is, like, blabbering on and on. And she's got a weird voice and she won't shut up. And her friend Lisa <sighs> is literally silent. This woman, this actor says, I think, maybe one line in this movie. Yeah. Like, she just sits there kind of reacting to what her roommate is saying Um, and in particular, what her roommate is talking about is like, she's meant to be this very like LA woman. She's talking about her various like spiritual gurus she's gone to. And I think she's like talking quite extensively about transcendental meditation. Um, and like all this stuff. And as that's going on, it's getting, of course, closer and closer to midnight and evil is getting agitated because he's like, I don't know how I'm going to kill these two women by midnight like the time is coming um so they end up stopping at a liquor store and evil tells the silent roommate lisa to get out and buy some champagne and as midnight is hitting in chicago he's listening to the radio for this broadcast he ends up suffocating the first woman with a plastic bag and When Lisa gets out of the store, the car is missing and she finds her friend's shoe on the ground. And I did think this was kind of an interesting setup to how her murder was going to be because Lisa starts looking Mm -hmm. around the back of the liquor store, which again, never investigate, leave that to police. Seriously. She's, she's got her friend's shoe in her hand. She's looking around. She feels like, I can't remember if there's like a bit of fabric sneak peeking out or what, but she like goes yeah. over to this dumpster thinking that, yeah, there must have been like a little bit of fabric and she, and yeah, it was, like yeah, 
right? And so she goes over to look at it. Yeah. The dumpster's, like, lid is closed. And then what happens? And then she pulls, she pulls this fabric like it's the sleeve of a shirt or a dress or whatever that her friend's wearing. She pulls and pulls, and it's, like, not coming all the way out. So she opens up the dumpster, and then the, uh, like... Um, he flicks on a lighter and it's evil and he pulls her into the dumpster and kills her. Oh, right, because this is the image that's, like, on a lot of the posters of this Yeah, the that, little... Like, uh, the the, his, fla- the li- lighter. His face over the lighter, yeah. Yeah. So, so grab her. Whoa, scary. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, like, and this, this double murder happens quite quickly because he's immediately yeah. on the phone calling up people back at the club to say, I've just killed these other ladies um, and you can find their bodies here. I have a question. Sure. (laughs) How long does it take someone to suffocate? That is a very good question and I would imagine it somewhat depends on how you're suffocating them. Um, With a bag over your head. Okay, well let's let's fire up the <laughs> Google machine. That, don't be careful um, what you Google. You like if you ever like if anything happens and your Google history is like how long it does it take to take suffocate someone? To suffocate someone in a plastic bag. Okay. Yikes! That is get, a dark Google search. Please don't let me get onto some kind of watch. You're a watch. You're on a watch list. Um. <laughs> Okay, suicide bag. Um, Yikes. Oh, oh, that's part of a whole euthanasia thing. Oh, um, God. Maybe okay. we don't need to know. But I was just curious because it seemed like it went very fast. Like you said, like this whole, like he, she went inside and bought like one thing and the other girl was like dead. The car was gone. He had this whole setup. Like he did that quick. Yeah. So according to somebody on Quora. Um, oh, gosh. Which, you know, God knows. Uh, A murderer. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Um, It looks like maybe 10 to 15 minutes, but I bet bet you could get it faster than that. Um, (laughs) If you really try hard, you could do it faster than that. Well, maybe you're not fully dead right away, but like if if they incapacitate you enough where you pass out. Yeah, I think you're feeling bad pretty quick um i mean if you're if you like pass out first let's say then he could do whatever he needs to do dump her somewhere and eventually if you keep that bag on her head she's gonna she's gonna suffocate i suppose is what we're imagining i guess i I mean anyway yeah i can't tell i can't tell the answer to be honest um okay not not like i can't like i I refuse to. I mean, like, I can't tell from my brief search. Yeah, no, it's, it, 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 it might not be a um, Googleable thing. <laughs> I mean, it probably is. Everything can be. But um, <laughs> she, do, she does seem to go down quick. Um, yeah. And particularly because this does seem slightly improvised in comparison to his other kills. Yeah, um, exactly. Meanwhile, cops... Um, show up at the liquor store because now they're taking this thing seriously and Evil has said that he's dropped some bodies. 
Um, so they find the two blondes' bodies in what looks to be like a kid's playground or something. Yeah. That was like behind the liquor store. Um, yeah. So we get two Weird reveals. placement of a playground, but... Yeah, I don't know why... I don't know that I would want to be in a playground next to a liquor store or parking lot, but, like, who am I No. Um, and, like, again, we don't really see... We don't see truly what happens to these women. There's, like, a bit of a reveal that, like, um, roommate Lisa looks to have been stabbed to death, like, in her boob. Um... But again, they do say really, later. I think they say later, like he he's like been mutilating the breasts or something. That's right. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, as the cops are finding this gruesome scene, evil has got his next costume change sorted out. Um, <laughs> he's now dressed as a priest. And this I don't know why he chose priest as his next outfit. Like, I don't know where he was aiming to go that priest was the obvious choice because i don't think he well i mean i guess it's like up. a trusted he's never in a church or anywhere where a priest would be but i think it's maybe just like the trusted like the juxtaposition of like a pious non-evil right. thing i suppose no i think that's right but i mean like because every other outfit he's chosen so far is like meant to go with the place he gets his oh, yeah. From. Like, so he dressed like a doctor. He was at a hospital. He dressed like a disco Maybe he disco meant to guy. go to a church. He was at a club. I guess. But so he's dressed as this priest. And in his priestly garb, some bikers drive up alongside him and start shouting at him and like, fuck you, priest. And like, all this <laughs> stuff. Uh, which, of course. Same. Is hilarious. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, he starts hearing about his murders. They're, like, on the radio. And just as we know about all of these dickheads, uh, and um, by dickheads I mean serial killers, um, yeah. he loves hearing this coverage. He just loves it. And so yeah. he, like, turns it up, and he starts paying attention more to the radio than what he's doing with the car. And so he ends up, hitting one of the bikers, not killing him, but, like, hitting him with his car. And so then the bikers chase him. There's a bit of, like, I guess you'd call it a drag race to where eventually Evil drives into a local drive-in in an effort to hide amongst all the other cars. Um, <laughs> and he, I mean, we don't really get this from his acting, but, like, we have to assume that he's a bit irritated because now he's got to deal with this biker thing when what he's really got to be doing is he's, like, on a real time clock for his next victim. I mean, an hour in between is, like, very tight, I would say, especially in, like, L.A. traffic. Are you kidding me? I know. And, like, you're driving between locations? Like... Insane. I think anyone barely... who lives in L.A. And, and anyone who lived in L.A. could tell you this. that's, like, utter horse shit. Like, there's no I way... Know. Could do I it. know, and especially like, let's say traffic in 1980 isn't nearly as bad as it is now. Sure, oh that's fine. true. That's probably true. But yeah, like let's just say there isn't even any traffic at all because it's New Year's Eve. But like, and as as Cher Horowitz's dad says in Clueless, <laughs> every everywhere in LA takes 20 minutes, and so if you yeah. spend 20 minutes of your hour 
simply driving, then that means you have 40 minutes to find a new person, convince them to go into some sort of a secluded area with you and kill them and change your clothes and leave the bodies on display. And that's like, come on. And make a call. You got to make a call. Right. Yeah, it doesn't seem. Yeah, it seems. It seems ambitious. Let's say that it's an ex- it's an extremely ambitious plan. So it and again, evil does seem to have worked out bits of it fairly well. Um, yeah, but but I guess maybe the way he really is able able to make this work is he really rolls with the punches of like maybe <laughs> I don't care too much about who my victims are. It seems like um, yeah, because he kills these two yeah. women. Doesn't matter. Then he goes into the drive-in. He's trying to run away from the bikers. I also find this just kind of like rich. I'm like, you're you've literally killed four women at this point, and you are afraid of these bikers. What? Like, yeah, that's weird. Come on. Um. So he sees the bikers like looking around the drive-in. So he decides to leave his car behind. Um. And as he leaves <laughs> his car. He runs into a biker who who recognizes him and is like, I'm going to get you, priest. And so Evil then just stabs (laughs) this guy in the stomach. Yeah. Um, This is like an, I don't know if we're meant to imagine that this guy dies or if he's just kind of like collateral damage or whatever. But so let's assume this is yet another body. So now his count is at five. Um, Five people dead. Um, and then again, speaking yeah. to what I was saying to you before, evil seems to realize on the one hand, he needs to get out of the drive-in. On the other hand, he needs a new victim. And so he just gets into the car that he happens to be nearest to, which we've already been mm-hmm. seeing some scenes where it's like two teenagers making out. Um, this is the only breast shot really that we see in this yep. movie. Um, which again is a bit of a weird one. I'm like, we don't see breasts of yes. fully grown women. We see them of a teenage girl. Um, I know. Come on. <laughs> that Come on, seems people. Not ideal. Um, no. In the car, this teen girl starts begging for her life. Um, she even suggests, like, maybe if you want, I'll have sex with you as long as you, like, don't kill me. Don't kill um, me. <laughs> evil is not interested in that. Um, and it, but this whole, but she's she, this bitch won't shut up, and so he's very distracted. And as he's distracted, <laughs> driving around in the car, he almost hits two guys who, for some reason, you know how it is in 1980, are like you're walking celebrating. In the middle. <laughs> you're celebrating New Year's Eve. You're drunk. You want to take a walk on the highway. That's just what you want to do. Yeah, it's a good Um, place. It's a good place to do it. So they're like walking across like a highway exit, drunk. Yeah, what the fuck? He almost hits them. So he slows down. And for all that he's got this like very tight timetable, he does seemingly have the time to get out of the car and start a shouting match with these two guys. Meanwhile, the girl <laughs> in the back seat gets out, and she's smart. She's clearly Ladoy. Yeah, she is the smartest. Except um, for she, except for she runs like a doofus at this part. Well, they but all like, run I mean, like doofus. 
They all run like Doofy. I know. Well, in that it's like she does like, like Doofy. I know. It's it's like the typical. It's like the very stereotypical um, horror movie girl run where she's like, <laughs> and she's like running like. Basically, she might as well have her arms up with like limp wrists, being like, <laughs> like I know, and like looking behind her. Um, I know, and but, like, well, because yeah. you know that your like hysterical tears make it very hard for you to like run in a normal way <laughs> away from someone when your life yeah. when your life depends on it. You can't possibly yeah. run faster than like a slow trot away from somebody. And like, listen, um, I'm not pretending I'm a track star. I would be in trouble too. But like, I think I would. I'd be I don't working know what the my hell best. I would do. I would be working my best to have like my best runtime be that runtime. That's oh, the moment hell yeah. when I'm like, yeah, I'd I turn on my watch. Can. I'd see what my pace yeah. would be. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But still, the fact that she r- runs out of the car means she's like one of the smartest women in a slasher movie. That was ever smarter. Um, That's true. She runs into a park. Evil chases her. And, um, I forget exactly, like, how this goes, but she manages to, like, hide under, like, a structure or something. Hmm. And so he can't find her. And as he's looking around for her, the cops show up. And the reason the cops show up is because the drunk guys in the street waved them over or whatever. Um, and so rather than stick around to try and kill this girl evil just runs away and i so she survives i forgot that that is crazy she's she so she's the one who is supposed to be killed at mountain time midnight and she survives and she's nobody cares only, about mountain time i know it was kind of a weird choice but anyway um and like so she's the smartest woman I've ever seen in a horror film. One, because she jumps out of the car and runs away. And two, because when he starts getting closer to her and she's hiding under that structure, she stays fucking silent. Like, doesn't yeah. make a sound. And so she yeah. manages to survive. Um, finally, we get to what I suppose is like the climax of the movie. Um, we return to the club. Lieutenant Clayton is keeping getting updates about all of these various events happening around LA, the various bodies dropping. And so as a result of that, he's like, if you want to keep going with this show, which Blaze says that she does, we need to lock down this entire building. No one can get into the building. No one can get, we need to shut down access to this floor. So basically as soon as somebody leaves, they can't come back in. Now, This, Mm -hmm. in the days of 2022, and even in the early 2000s, was already the way every public event worked, which was, once you leave, you can't come back. That's just the rules. Yep. Um, Yeah. It seems so normal now. I know. But this, this, when he makes this announcement at the punk show, I will say (laughs) I did enjoy, the entire crowd is like, Boo! Go home, you fascist pig. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's what happens. And he's like, I, I don't care, kids. This is for your own safety. Just know that, like, if you leave, you're not going to be allowed to come back in, etc. 
Um, backstage, a psychologist, a police psychologist, for some reason, has shown up. And we get the only, <laughs> like, glimpse into evil's motivation that we're ever really going to get. And this is where they say that thing that you mm-hmm. mentioned, which is, like, where all of his victims have somehow had their breasts mutilated, which, of course, we've not been shown, but we're told that's what's happened. Um, and according to this very eminent psychologist, that shows that evil has a, quote-unquote, mother fixation, um, which I don't know what that means, really. Um yeah, that's weird. I mean, I know what it means, but it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Derek is in the background overhearing all of this in his red pantyhose mask. Um, <laughs> we don't know what that's about, and we never we will. We still haven't the figured out the we hell. We never will. Um, yeah. And so Evil then drives up to see that the club has been locked down because that's he's now like living up to this promise he made of like I'm going to kill all these other people and then when it gets to be midnight in LA I'm going to kill you Blaze that's like the PA's mm-hmm. de resistance so when he realizes that he can't get into the building through the front he drives around to like the garage entrance um and this is really striking how easy it is to evade these security measures because he sees that there are two (laughs) police uh, officers waiting at the door from the garage to the building. One of them, I guess, goes Mm -hmm. in maybe to go to the bathroom. Not totally sure. So then there's only one cop left. Evil hides behind a column and shouts out, Hey, buddy! You're a police officer. I need some help with a drunk that's over here. And the police officer, for some reason, very eagerly leaves his post to, quote-unquote, help with this drunk. And I'm like, what kind of help do you need? And what is this police officer going to do? And last I checked, being drunk on New Year's Eve is not a crime. So... What is happening? Like, I just don't know how this could have been something that would draw a police officer away from his post. Um, Agreed. But it does work. Well, so again, lazy. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I should say this: interested at the wrong things. <laughs> how about that? Like, yes. There you go. There um, you go. So. Policeman walks over, immediately evil bashes him over the head with some sort of brick. He takes the cop's uniform, and then when the other cop um, comes back from the bathroom or whatever, he sees this other guy dressed as a cop walking up. Now, this is again where I'm like, how is this a security measure? Because if you're the police force, the police officer tasked with keeping strangers out of this hotel. Are you really going to let a police yeah. officer you don't recognize who literally just like strides up out of nowhere and be like, oh, yes, go on in, sir. Like, that seems yeah. shocking. It seems like you would need some type of 
passcode or something like that shows. Yeah, and like, I agree. And, I don't and if know. You didn't, and if you didn't recognize a guy, you could at least say like, can you show me your badge or whatever? And yeah, then your badge or like the badge say the magic word. Of, right. You show the badge. Evil would show the badge of the guy who doesn't look like him. Like, and then you would have caught him, you know? Um, right. But unfortunately, that exactly. isn't what happens. And so then we cut to a scene where it is now Lieutenant Clayton's unfortunate job to tell Blaze that unfortunately we've had a situation with security and it's very likely that the killer has now gotten into the building um, because our security has been breached, um, which is a bummer. Uh Yeah. Blaze then says, well, I need to change for kind of like the final moment of the final like elements of this show. So a cop escorts her to her dressing room where he then like walks through the dressing room um, only to disrupt Derek acting very strange who then runs out of the room. Um, Blaze then asks if the cop would just stand outside because she needs to change her clothes. He does so. While she's changing, out from behind a, a wall or something, a man in a terrifying mask. Um, oh, and I this even, mask. I hated this mask. I didn't mask. even know what this mask was, like who it was supposed to look like. Um, it's terrifying it looked, regardless. It was, like, a white face with, like, very chubby cheeks and then, like, black slicked down hair. I don't know what it was. Um, so he walks out with a mask and, like, leisure, leisure suit on. And for a brief second, I, like, because all throughout the movie, I was, like, obviously evil is Blaze's missing husband. Like, that's obviously what we're setting up here. But... In this little moment before the reveal is revealed that that is the case, I was like, wait, is this guy in a mask and a leisure suit a totally different guy? <laughs> um, oh, is yeah. This, I was like, is this movie going to surprise me um, and say yeah. that, that there's some other weirdo running around or whatever? But no... It, the reveal is that the man that we've been watching the whole night and know as evil is actually Blaze's husband, Richard, who we thought was in Palm Springs. Yep. Um, that's when Blaze is like, I'm really freaking out. All this terrible stuff has happened. I'm so glad you're here. Um, and she's like, also, by the way, our son seems to be having some kind of a meltdown, but, like, you know I'm not good at dealing with that. So, like, <laughs> you talk to him about it. Um, and when she says that in particular, like, Richard slash evil has, like, a cloudy look that goes across his face. In the meanwhile, the cop comes in. The cop who's been waiting outside comes in, and he's like, yeah, I heard another voice. Like, who are you? And Blaze is like, mm -hmm. oh, this is my husband. You know, nothing to worry about here. And the cop is like, but, like, how did you get in? You weren't here before. Mm -hmm. How did you get in now? Because we've, like, been trying to keep people out. And 
Richard right. says kind of like a nonsense story. And the cop, again, finally people are like paying attention. He's like, I think something weird is going on here. Because this yeah. man was not in this room and now he is in this room. And that's not supposed to be possible. So yeah. um, he contacts Lieutenant Clayton. And then finally now the kind of reveal for everyone except for Blaze, unfortunately, is that uh, Blaze's husband, Richard, is also the serial killer evil who has been running around town killing people. Oy, um, oy. And so uh, then he basically says, like, to the cop who's been escorting Blaze around, like, don't leave this woman alone. Um, like, absolutely, anytime you see her husband, you should be on high alert. Unfortunately... Mm-hmm. Though, um, as Blaze and this cop are getting into the elevator, we've already seen Richard slash Evil fussing with the elevator system in the basement. So mm-hmm. he, like, basically makes the elevator fall down to the basement level, whereupon he drags the cop out of the elevator and, like, kicks him in the head. Um, and then he plays Blaze his various murder recordings that he's taken over the course of the night. And this is when he reveals to her that he is the killer. So that's a bummer. Um, Mm -hmm. and he also (laughs) explains, uh, to the best of this movie's ability anyway, that the reason he's done this is because he's, quote, fed up. Um, he's fed up not only at, I guess, we're meant to understand that Blaze has, if she's not actually cheated on him, apparently like she flirts a lot with men, okay. and he doesn't like that. Um, but also, we, and Derek has told him about these flirtations. Mm. Um, but as well, he also says that um, and this is a direct quote. Ladies are not very nice people. Um, <laughs> yep. That's what I'm he has get, to say. I'm, I'm going to get a shirt that says that. Ladies are not that. very nice people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we never really get a full understanding of what is like behind Richard's desire, murderous desire to kill. But I think what we're meant to infer from, like, the psychologist thing about mother fixation and, like, the the kind of dynamic that uh, he's describing of his and Blaze's marriage is I think, one, he had, like, a mom that was too overbearing and then he married a woman who basically was like his mom. And when he was seeing his son get like bullied by his mother that triggered his memories of being bullied by his own mother you know what i'm saying mm. yeah yeah um so and so that's one of the complaints the other complaint he also reveals the reason why he has killed Yvonne specifically is less because women are bad bitches or i should say not very <laughs> nice people is because <laughs> Yvonne, as the business manager, has, like, really kept Richard away from Blaze's money. Mm, Um, Okay. And so he resented that 
as well. So he had to kill her for that reason, but most everyone else is being killed because of this kind of vague misogynist hatred that he has towards women in as a yeah. genre. Um, yeah. And then um, he also says that he's exceptionally upset on behalf of Derek specifically because he's like, Derek just had this really successful audition for that sci-fi show and you couldn't be bothered to even congratulate him on it. Um, and he also <laughs> says this thing of like, Derek didn't even use your last name. He got this role entirely on his own. And, you know, like, you're just so up your own ass, you can't even, like, support him in this. Um, which, I mean, the thing is, it is very clear she is very dismissive of her son. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Also, her son is weird, so, you know, like... And we're also some- only seeing, I mean, I listen, I guess they're telling us what some of their other life is. We're also seeing her on a night where, like, it's a big night for her and her career. Right. and That's right. Um, and I do think that, like, uh, always and forever, but especially 42 years ago, um, a successful women were, that was not, like, successful career women, let's say. Uh, that was, like, an unattractive quality, I think, for, a, like, yeah, you know, that yeah. was seen as, like, how could you take your career more seriously than your child? Like, that's, they, that's right. considered evil or, like, right. whatever. For sure. And also, like, not only is that just, like, bad, like, gauche on your behavior as a woman, which is not good, but you, but that the other thing, which is super actually sexist and misogynist, but that by your very existence as you are, you are actively emasculating all of the men around you and connected to you. Like, Correct. Um, right. And so this husband of yours has like lost his ability to be masculine, which is why he's killing all of these people. Your son is the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then again, this goes to what I was talking about at the top. If So first of all, The actor playing Blaze is 38. The actor playing Richard is 35. They have a son who is 19 years old. And the vibe that we're getting is that this is like a marriage of such length and bitterness. Like, this has grown over years and years and years. I'm like, wait a minute. He's 35. Yes. Wait, 35. What's 35 minus 19? That seems suspect. Quite young (laughs) is what it is. Um, It's like 16 years old. So, like, the the premise or, like, the family story that we're not told but seems to be implied is that Blaze got pregnant around 18 or 19 years old. Her husband um, would have been 15 or 16 at that time. Yikes. Um, now, maybe that's the backstory. That's, yeah, that's that, questionable. Like, I mean, that somehow they struggle on to have this early, like, you know, teen pregnancy thing. They stay married. I don't know. Um, and then. Like, now she's built her career anyway? Yeah. I mean, I guess. I don't know. It's it's all, like, pretty fucked up. I mean, him being coming a dad at 15, 16, like, that could mess with your brain a bit. 
<laughs> I don't but, think it would. But it's still, all, like, it's not. The, it doesn't necessarily listen, make you murderous, though. No, I don't think everyone who's had a teen pregnancy becomes a psychopath. Because um, if that were true, the world would be a very different place. Um, that is true. But I guess maybe it, there is a sense to this story, which is we got pregnant and then married young and then you managed to like build this career or whatever. But like, I don't know, the whole vibe, I was like, just add five to 10 years on these people. And yeah. And then this makes sense. Honestly. But like, yeah. The way yeah, this is it's reading true, right but- now is just very strange to me. Like, yeah, totally. Because I feel like, At the age of 35 and 38, listen, you can have marital problems. I'm not saying that it's, like, too young for that. And especially if you have a kid on top of it, that probably, like, only um, intensifies that. But it really does feel like they feel older than that. I didn't didn't think of them as that age at all. um, No, I would have read them as in their... Deeply... Yeah, I would have read them as in their mid to late 40s. I mean, honestly. Yeah, but, totally. And not um, even not even so much about, like, how they looked or anything, but it was just, like, this uh, dark whatever right. issue they've got going between them seems, like, so, so deeply ingrained, you know? Right. like Yeah, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, what Richard wants, Richard Evil, is he's like, I want you out of our lives, and then I'm just going to, us, me and Derek against the world. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> um, so he attempts to kill Blaze by connecting her to the bottom of the elevator. And he's like, I'm going to send you up, and then I'm going to, like, bring the elevator down and basically, like, smash you under the elevator, which is, like, woof. That is a bummer yeah. of a death. Like, he clearly despises this woman. Like, that's bad news. Um, yeah. This is when, as Blaze is, like, being lifted up on the bottom of the elevator, we see Yvonne's head stuck in the shaft. Um, and as she's, like, being carried up and up and then eventually being brought down and down, there are people inside the elevator hearing her scream. They're trying to stop the elevator. <laughs> Meanwhile, the police have been doing a walk through the whole hotel. They find um, Richard slash Evil fussing with the elevator, so they stop the elevator. Uh, there's a shootout uh, at Richard. <laughs> he runs away. Um, he runs up the stairs, up to the roof, where he puts his weird mask on again for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He then says a line that I feel like might have been some kind of Shakespearean line about, I can't even quite remember anymore, but it was, like, very weird. Yeah. And the cops are, like, he looks over the side of the building, and the cops are, like, don't you fucking do that. And I'm, like, how are you going to stop this guy? (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? Seriously. Like, um, yeah. So, of course. And why? Why do you care? He's a murderer. Let him kill himself. I mean, well, because technically suicide is a crime, so I think that's why police get involved in when someone is going to like oh. pinch off a roof or something. They're trying to stop them oh. from doing that. Oh, I thought it was more like they could cause bodily harm or issues to somebody well, else. That but, too. Okay. They, that too, because like there is a story of someone jumping off the Cecil Hotel in LA, in fact, 
Oh, and good God. In, in the process of her doing that, she killed someone who was down on the ground because she slammed into them so hard Fuck. that they both died. Oh, my God. Um, Holy shit. I know. If that's... I That's a genuine... If there, whatever way I go, I don't want it to be that way. Like, that seems Yikes. Um, Holy crap. So, of course, he jumps off the top of the hotel, down, falls down into the parking lot. A crowd starts to come around. Derek is one of them. Derek gives his now-dead father, or presumably dead father, this weird hug. And takes his mask mm-hmm. off and, like, kind of seems to take the mask with him. The final scene, and I think this is meant to be some kind of a reveal, but I'm not sure what. Richard has been mm-hmm. put into the ambulance. There's a an EMT in there with him, him <coughs> excuse me, doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And then who do we see driving the ambulance away we assume it's Derek with that mask yes. on now. I, I oh, mean, right. I, yes, yes, it's Derek. Yes. He's yes. got the mask on, and we see that he has killed the actual original ambulance driver. Right. And then we get a final little voiceover saying that midnight in Hawaii is coming soon. And I guess what that means is, like, now maybe Derek is, gonna kill somebody when midnight hits in Hawaii? I don't yeah. totally know. And this is why I yeah, and this is why I asked if there was a sequel because I feel like it's set up for a sequel very it perfectly. Is. It is. I mean I mean I, I know most horror movies kind of are just like yeah. that's all it's they like, like they to never want to leave it on like a Yeah. A, like yeah. a twisty ending. Um yeah. but no I don't as far as from what I was like looking around at, I think I would have run across a sequel if there were one and I don't think that there is um yeah no you're probably right that is new year's evil (laughs) (laughs) so um oh man it it was something and I mostly liked it but we'll talk about that shortly um in terms of yawns and eye rolls starting with yawns uh one yawn is I was totally engaged I was into it watched the whole thing no problem um, and Tanyans is like, oh man, I really just couldn't take part in this, and it was a real slog. <laughs> what would you give it? Yeah, I would say probably like one to two. Only mm-hmm. two because like there's like there could <laughs> I have attention problems, but um, yeah, it was you know eighty five minutes. Love that. So oh, wow. um, yeah, like one of our shortest. Yeah. I know when I saw that I was like boom love it <laughs> like um yeah so like one one and a half two sure yeah I was in it yeah and I'll say one like it, this really went down very smooth um <laughs> in every possible way for me um yeah yeah and, w- and when we turn to likes I will raise like the issue of like how original is this and whether that's a problem or not. But um, mm-hmm. the next thing, the eye rolls, one eye roll being like, no, I bought into this world. It's, you know, it seemed fine. Um, and 10 eye rolls is like, absolutely not. Like everything seemed nuts. Mm. Uh, what mm. would you give it? <sighs> that's sort of tough. I mean, I did buy into the world. That is true. 
when we talk about like some of the logistical issues in terms of like in LA really killing someone every single hour like without having because it right. seemed he didn't have a plan of who he was going to kill if he had like no, a kill list seem... that it seemed like he was I mean like I mean the... besides Yvonne at the beginning yeah he killed besides Yvonne, her it seemed it seemed random seemed... in the middle well he he purposefully went to that sanatorium so I guess but it didn't but I couldn't anyway it that part seems more uh, Lucy goosey ambiguous eye rolly sure. to me so i would say but at the, at the same time i was like fully in it so i'd say like three or four maybe yeah i mean i think my eye roll stuff was more about like the depictions of punk and stuff like whereas like <laughs> i don't fair. know what this is but i guess it's cool mm. um so yeah but i would still say those complaints were relatively minimal so i'll give it like a three um, okay. So ultimately, then, um, did you like this? Would you recommend it? Do you think that like, because like one of the things I ran across in the uh, online coverage, such as it was of this movie, is a lot of people basically were like, "This is very ho hum. It's not particularly original. The reveals are stupid and expected," <laughs> which I kind mm. of agree with all of that. But I still genuinely liked this movie what about you yeah yeah I liked it and I would recommend it I think I mean I, I, I would probably uh not just like recommend it like out of nowhere <laughs> really nilly like you gotta see this movie um no. but if someone was like looking for a silly dumb horror movie yeah it would be on a list I would say for me that I would say yeah check it out it's it's silly it's fun um it's not uh, maybe it's not the most original, but I like, I like a theme when it comes to a mm. horror movie. So I like mm. the theme of like the New Year's Eve situation. I like a play on words, New Year's Evil. I like, <laughs> so there's a lot of like that and it's very, yeah, I, I would, I liked it and I would recommend it. Like, and if someone wanted to be like, you have bad taste, I'd be like, cool, don't care. Yeah, I mean, I take the points of what people said about it not seeming super original or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I think this movie maybe... It didn't bother me, though. No, I like this movie. I would recommend it. I think I particularly... What people couldn't have known at the time is, like, part of what is fun about this movie is the nostalgia factor. That it's this, like, yeah. punk scene in LA that was a very particular thing at a very particular time um yeah that that adds something kind of fun and funny and interesting to this that otherwise I would say yeah this is nothing special like this is whatever sure um and I I will say as well um I also liked the shortness of it I also liked yep Weirdly, even though I do like to see kills in a slasher movie, I kind of liked that I was like, oh, once I realized that I wasn't going to see that, I was like, oh, good. What a relaxing movie I'm watching right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just well, yeah, like, it's... let it wash over me and enjoy well, it's a horror movie. Happening. Yeah, it's a horror movie that you can watch and eat something because there are definitely ones like I don't know if that's something that anyone else cares about, but like there are ones where I like I love I don't I don't like gory, but I don't 
mind like one you know something more like scream sure. where they show a sure. lot more blood or whatever but it is something where you're like do i want to be eating when i watch this do i have to be careful of what i'm you know and in this one no you don't know you doesn't matter they're not going to see anything got that graphic so go for it eat your snacks yeah and even like this like there's not like scares you know like and even though no there's no like jump scares really right and even though that's what i like about a horror movie i also like i'm like i just like the kind of um maybe this Calmness. is more of a thriller or something you know yeah. um watered down in some kind of way so that this was just like super easy to me like super easy on yeah, my eyes yeah i mean super easy on my heart i was just like yep yep yes. we got it like we're moving like on. i like I like jump scares, but I am very, uh, what's the right word? Like, I'm very uh, prone to them, if that makes sense. Like, mm, I, yeah, yeah. they will get me almost every single time, sure. even when I know they're coming. Um, so, and I will sometimes even, like, audibly scream when it's, like, a re- <laughs> like I mean, there is one movie, there is one movie, I think it was one of The Conjurings, and I, like, some of the jump scares in that, like, really got me good. So... I like that, but it does totally change the vibe of a movie when you know that stuff is happening. And when you're not thinking about that, you can relax into it a little bit better. Yeah. So that's an unrestricted uh, four (laughs) thumbs up. Definitely have a look at it Mm -hmm. if you want um, recommendation Mm -hmm. from those of us or the two of us here at See You Next Week in Space. (laughs) Um, happy New Year, everyone. I, if you're anything like, obviously, the two of us, we're happy to see the backside of 2022, and we look forward to, yes. I guess, the front side of 2023. <laughs> um, I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.